0: He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst.
1: Craig Craig Biggins. Together
0: they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth.
2: (laughs) Ha ha, welcome, welcome. You're not listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Friday Five Star Friday With my main man Greg Biggins GB What's up with ya? Not much
1: man How are you doing
2: today? Man I'm doing alright Five Star Friday man And We've had an interesting week Recording But you know what Uh that's how it goes in, in, in media world and I'm just happy that, that you're here that I'm here and we got a special special guest and I can't wait for everybody to hear the interview and the story by former five star quarterback five star athlete two sports superstar Jason Thomas
1: I'll tell you what man th- this is one of those guys that if you gotta be kind of old school to know who he is you, know, you gotta have kind of been around for at least what 10 to 15 years but if you were around during this guy's day I mean, he is legendary status. I don't use that term very often. There's only maybe two or three guys I would throw a Shea Cotton and a DeAnthony Thomas of just that name recognition. Jason Thomas, and everyone immediately knows who he is, and immediately goes, "Whoa, that guy was a dude," and that's exactly what he was back in the day.
2: Yeah, no question, Greg. I mean, guys talk about five stars now. This guy was doing things that people had never seen before in Southern California high school football. And uh, he's going to talk about, you know, from the cradle uh, with his parents, kind of starting up a pop popcorn organization, all the way to Calgary, where he kind of ended his career. but. Uh, before we get to that, Greg, we got to remind people about our Sleeper of the Week. Hey, we want to remind everybody tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured. On this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and sleep is the only place that offers
1: advanced sleep technology, Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome.
2: Sit and sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. And we're back. So, um, GB, I think without further ado, man, it's time. Man. Five-star Friday. We got a former five-star athlete, five-star quarterback, and a five-star per- person now pushing a five-star product that you're not going to want to miss t- kind of towards the end of the interview. So, without further ado, man, Jason Thomas. Some people call him, know him as JT. I know him as J-Tom, a good friend of mine He's from 30 years here on the Transparent Truth.
3: All right, now we'd like to bring in a former five-star quarterback. I think before there were stars given out, um, a good yeah. friend of mine from the, at least the last thirty years, uh, former Dominguez High School star, former UNLV star quarterback, Jason Thomas uh, from the city of Compton. Jason, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on, Keeper. I appreciate it, man.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Jay, we go a long ways back, man. And uh, I knew you, you know, I guess we probably met probably when we were about seven years old. We've competed Uh against and been on the same teams with each other. Um, And, you know, I like to tell everybody who I ever meet, and we talk about ball, that one of the best competitors I've ever had a chance to be around was Jason Thomas. And uh, so just right off the bat, man, tip of the cap. Uh, for always being that guy who was in the trenches going hard, you know, day in, day out, whether it was at the basketball court, playing for slam and Jam in the gym at Victoria Park or wherever the case may be, uh, on a football field somewhere, you will always be revered and respected by the likes of myself and other guys who we grew up with.
0: Man, I appreciate that, man. You know, uh, like you said, man, we, we go back a long ways, man, and just one of the things from our generation, man, it was always about just competitiveness it wasn't it wasn't about how talented you were it wasn't about you know how big you were it was about if you had that dog in you and um you know playing football gave I felt like it gave me an advantage if not only mentally when I got on the basketball court to be able to you know I'm saying say well hey you know I might not be as tall as you are I might not be able to jump as high as you but I'm gonna get as physical as possible and I'm gonna try to use uh my mind to intimidate you and impose my will on you and, and And so it worked for me. Um, And so that was one of the things that I was known for is just being a dog, man. And that's that's something you can't teach, man. Yeah, there's no question about it. So, I mean, we want to just kind of take you,
3: take the fans and the listeners through your story, JT. Let's start off as a young kid. I mean, you grew up in, in in a house full of athletes. Your family were a bunch of athletes. Tell me what your childhood was like and playing youth football and basketball was like.
0: Man, for me, man, I, I grew up on the football field, man. My, my dad and, and my mom helped found uh, Greta Compton, Pop Warner um, uh, Foundation. And so I grew up at Dominguez High School. I mean, I got pictures uh, dealing with Greta Compton from zero, one, two, three. I mean, just being a baby out there, running around, playing throw-up tackle. Um, and so, I grew up on the football field not knowing anything different, but, you know, in the summertime, we go out there, we run, and then when it's fall, we play football. Um, and so, for me, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't anything that was said to me. It was just something that I observed. And so, playing Pop Warner, watching my brother play Pop Warner, all of my cousins, my uncles, everybody, you know, either coached, and my, my sister and my cousins, the female cousins, they, they were cheerleaders, and my mom was... You know a cheer mom and so our whole family um it was just like a a family passage for us one of the things that we did like i said is you know the, the pop owner thing so it was great for me um and then as i got older um basketball became more a part of my life um but you know those younger years man it was just football day in and day out camps and it was a little bit different than it is now because it wasn't really specialized Uh, We didn't have trainers. We didn't have, you know, individual workouts. I mean, it was just my dad, you know, and so whatever my dad invested into me is kind of what I got out of it. And so that that is a part of the journey that makes it extra special for me, because as I look back on my life, those memories are shared with my father. Um, and so that meant a lot to me and I know it meant a lot to you as well because your father was the same way, you know, just growing up, seeing how he poured into you. And so, it, you know, it, it, means a lot, man, to, to know that your, your, your parents will invest time and energy in you. And now for me as a parent, looking back on it, man, I, I see how difficult and how great, um, it was for them to do that because when you got a job and you work a nine to five and then you also spend a lot of time with your kids and their friends and that's a huge investment. Yeah, there's no question about it. So
3: right now, we're at a a climate where, you know, there's a lot of specialized training. I mean, kids are going to academies to go train and go to school at the same time in a day. Kids are, you know, seven-year-olds, six-year-olds are training five days a week with these specialized um, to that type of situation.
0: For me, you know, I, I look at it like this, man. As a parent, you have to beware of burnout for your child. So it's great now because they love it, they're, in, they're involved in it, they don't know any better, they don't have any other options in terms of their personal life, so it's great. Um, but we all reach a point where, you know, it's too much, and I would prefer for a person to reach that burnout level 10 years into their professional career rather than their senior year in college. So if you accelerate that process for them, now, you know, instead of them starting like how, um, you know, Chester Pitts, for example, right? We grew up, Chester couldn't play Pop Warner because he was too big. So he ended up going to a math and science school and then he walked on at San Diego State. and So he didn't really play until he was in college. And then he played in college. His body was fresh. His mind was fresh. And then he played. He started for a few years. He went to league, and then he played 10, 11 years straight without missing a game. His body was fresh. His mind was fresh. He wasn't burnt out. To where, for me, right, I played Pop Warner tackle from when I was six years old. Um, I didn't even. I wasn't even old enough to play, but I practiced with the older kids. And then when the game started, I would sit on the sideline and watch. I was like the mascot. And then I play AAU basketball from high level. You know, we played slam and jam, but it wasn't really a high level. I didn't start doing that until I played with PTI. And I did that from 12 all the way through 18. And so by the time my senior year of college, I literally used to say, I just want to be normal. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that was one of the things that I would, I would, that's what I would caution parents about. Is, hey, let your child enjoy the summertime. It's great to work hard, it's great to put time in the gym, but life is about balance. Most of those kids will not play professional sports. As tough as that is to hear, most of those kids will not. But they need to have balance in their life and understand that there are other things outside of the gym. There's, you know, there's arts, you know, there's music, there's all these other things that can stimulate you and that can help, you sh- help shape you as an individual. And you need to expose your children to all of those things, not just the grind in the gym. Jason, that's
3: a great point. That's a uh, it's an excellent point, actually. So let's let's move forward. You know, uh, at Greater Compton, I remember you over there. I was playing for the Carson coach. You came over to play with Nate McCall, and uh, I think they were the Carson Jets. Yes, sir. Uh, at the time, you could, you guys had a legendary team that we actually played against. My team, the Carson, coach. we played. I remember having a, a huge scrimmage game at Alondra Park. Or some park, and it was extremely physical, and it was fun, and that's when we were all competing. But talk a little bit about that Carson Jets team and the talent that was on that team, Jets, because I don't think our listeners know um, the type of heat
0: that you guys were working with. Yeah, man. I mean, it was myself, Willie Hurst, Patrick McCall, who went to Michigan out of high school, and then he ended up and he won a national championship with Michigan, and he ended up transferring to Oregon State finishing there, Uh, Kenyon Rambo, who went to Ohio State. Um, You have Marcus Anderson, who went to UCLA and then played in the league for a few years. Um, You had um, Mike Wilson, who went to Arizona and then ended up transferring to UNLV and actually playing uh, with me at UNLV. We had several track guys um, who, you know, were local high school track stars. Um, I mean, our team was deep. We never lost a game. Um, It was one of those things where, you didn't know that you were a part of something special until you were able to get a little bit older and we looked around and we said, man, we got six guys on our Pop Warner team who have D1 scholarships and that are going to big time, what they call Power 5 Conference uh, schools, and so it was great. Um, We were kids, man, so, you know, we would go play and then we would go run on the side and play throw-up tackle, or, you know, we would go to Patrick's house and have, you know, sleepovers, and so... Although we felt like, you know, we knew we were good, we were still children. We were never treated like anything but kids, you know. So after the game, you get your little nachos and you get your soda and you go sit down and play and then you get ready to go home, and that was it. So it was a great time in my life, um, and those, those are the times that I cherish the most. I loved my college years. Um, high school was very special to me, um, but the love of the game was stoked in me. Um, during the Pop Warner years, and I was able to meet guys like you and Jay Sean Sykes and, you know, people from all around the city who I was able to compete against and then grow and see how our careers took shape. It was amazing. Yeah, no question about it, and I, and I agree with those sentiments uh, equally.
3: Let's talk a little bit about kind of where high school football, pro basketball, where things are going in terms of super teams, right? Um hmm the whole, how do you feel about the whole super? So now you have these high school teams or Pop water teams where they're, they're recruiting all the best players to one team and it's like, hey, let's go out and dominate everybody else and let's play a national schedule. So on and so forth. What are your thoughts and feelings on these, these, these organizations or these teams, these schools developing these super teams?
0: You know, I'm kind of conflicted, Keith, to be totally honest with you, because when I was at Dominguez, you know, we had several people transfer into Dominguez to come be a part of what we had got started. Um, So when I was a freshman, you know, we went to the state finals and we lost at the state finals, um, but we made it. uh, It was very competitive. And we we knew coming back my sophomore year – You know we had myself we had kenny brunner who was going to be a senior and then we also had tayshaun prince who was coming into his own um so we had a really good group of guys who were highly touted aau guys and so the feeling around the city was that we were the you know the number one team coming back the following year well with that you had people who wanted to be a part of that and so i personally i don't have a problem with Super teams being developed, if I'm the person that originated, like if I started on that team, I don't have a problem with people coming onto my team. What I have a problem with is being the person who would leave a team who was on the cusp, you know, to maybe beating a team who was a, a little bit better than you, and then you going and right. joining those guys. So I think it's all right. about the perspective of who you are in terms of that super team component. If you're a guy who has been there and people are coming to join you, you should be proud of that. Um, but if you're a guy who's just hopping on the bandwagon and trying to get a ring, that's just—is this just a little bit different to me? I think I'm—I have a competitive spirit, and I wanted to beat the best. Right. Um, and if I was the best, then I wanted to dominate everyone else. Um, but what I did never want to do is, you know, join a group of guys who were already great and to make them a little bit better. I just, you know, that's just how I look at it as a competitor. But everybody, you know, to each his own, and. I think 20 years from the point that you get your ring, all they're going to remember is you have a ring. So it all depends. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer.
3: So let's move on. Um, you know, as a young guy, uh, you were a little overgrown. Uh, your coordination hadn't kind of came in until but probably you were around 12 years old. That's when we became uh, really close friends. We, we started playing mm-hmm. on the same basketball team and developed a really mm-hmm. close relationship. And uh, we played on an AAU team that w- lost one game the entire year. I'll never forget it. To the Atlanta Celtics in Las Vegas. So crushed mm-hmm. by that loss. Uh, yep. But that's when you started really coming into your own, becoming a dominant player. And as far as high school, everybody kind of goes their separate way. You ended up choosing to go to Dominguez. And I'll never forget... Um, as I was playing at Los as a freshman, I had just set the set the touchdown record of 20 touchdowns as a freshman at the school, and they said Jason Thomas scored 30 touchdowns this year, at Dominguez. And I'm like, ah, oh, here he go again. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, awesome. it was about awesome. High school, you choosing Dominguez, and then your high school years from your freshman
0: all the way to your senior year. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, it goes back. Like I said, it goes back to my foundation, which you know, growing up playing for Greater Compton, Dominguez was our home school. So I spent every year of my life at at Dominguez High School, whether it was Pop Warner or you know, high, you know, um, high school up until that point. And so for me, it was just a natural transition for me um we moved out of Compton we were living in Carson so a lot of people who knew me thought that I should have went to Carson High School but my father was already coaching freshman football at Dominguez High School um and back in that day you couldn't recruit but Kenny Bruner spent a lot of time with me um you know in my my eighth grade year going into my ninth grade year coming to all of my AAU basketball games um, making sure that he let me know as a point guard, he I was somebody that he wanted to be running the lane and finishing for him. So, I mean, for me, it was kind of like a no-brainer. That was my family school. You know, I had cousins that went there, and so it was a natural transition. And when I went there, my father coached me in freshman football, uh, Willie Hurst, which is one of our, you know, mutual friends, and I played sure. Pop Warner and A. U. We, you know, we played basketball together growing up, um, and so for when I went there and he came there with me, it was a, it was a lot easier for me. But then I had a bunch of guys that I played Greater Compton with that were all that are, were already at Dominguez, either juniors or sophomores, and so it was home for me. Um, and so when I got there, right away, my freshman year, we went undefeated. Um, and we dominated. I mean, you know, we were beating schools 40 to nothing. We beat Bishop Vermont 42 to nothing. We beat Compton High 80-something nothing. They stopped the scoreboard. They turned the scoreboard off, and they did a running clock, you know, which was the only time I ever been a part of something like that in football. Um, and so the, the level of dominance was immediate. Um, and then you start basketball season. I'm a, tr- I'm a tr- freshman starting varsity. Um, on a really, really highly ranked um, high school basketball team. And I was playing. I was scoring. I was getting dunks. I was exciting for the crowd. Um, I might only have 10 points, but I would have four dunks. Um, So for me, it just started out great. It couldn't have started any better for me. Um, And so after the ninth grade year, going into my sophomore year, um, you know, we went to the playoffs in football. We didn't win. We, we actually got beat pretty bad by heart. Um, and I they beat us, that. I think it was, yeah, they beat us like 42 yeah. to 12 or something like that on our home field. I mean, they just, they were a team full of seniors. They had Ted Isinda, who was their running back. You know and I mean, yep. they just crushed us. And it was one of those deals where they said, you know, not yet, young fella, not yet. And, and that, and that yeah, was no- fine. And as we got, you know, as we got through that process of, of growing, You know, we we turned into the bullies on the block. They were the bullies on the block yet, and we we hadn't grown into that yet. Um, But then my sophomore year in basketball, though, we were able to go and win a state championship. And that was the first time that my high school had won a state championship. And so for me, that was amazing i mean you know just imagine you in compton you know you're the best school in compton you really we really were obviously the best school in california um and we were able to you know have a parade in the city of compton um the city rallied around us i mean it was a it was an amazing experience um and so then you, you you go to my junior year we win it all in football um, we just marched all the way through. We lost one game, and it was a game where I, I didn't play. Uh, we lost to Paramount. I didn't play because I ended up getting ejected. You know me, Keith. I was very competitive, and some yeah. people would call me a hothead at times. Uh, and so we were playing against Downey. They had a, a pass over the middle. I was playing safety, and I kind of got a little physical. I got ejected. I was suspended. So that was our only loss, but we beat Ayala in the CIF championship game. I was CIF player of the year. Um And then we go through in the basketball. Um, we won the championship, again, back-to-back state champions. I was um, the John Wooden Award winner in basketball. Um, and so, for me, I mean, it was great. It was a storybook. You know I mean? There was everything that you could ask for. I went to Nike camp two years. I was a blue-chip All-American in football. I mean, I had every accolade that you could ask for. Um, And then my senior year, I broke my ankle in football, the third game of the season and that's when the story changed for me you know it wasn't as perfect going forward and so that's when injuries started to creep in and that's when real life started to happen for me and so yeah that's my story man it was amazing
3: yeah I want to just in in a great story it is I want to take you back to your junior year um your junior year a a couple things stand out to me because it was our junior year we were in the same class class of 98 and uh, I had just been named Defensive Player of the Year in the league and a first-team All-L.A. Times selection. And you had won a CIF title. You were the L.A. Times Player of the Year. I was I remember being so happy for you. I remember my dad went to go see you play. Uh, I guess it was the semifinal game, maybe, your junior year. And he said you had four touchdowns, ran a kickback. And he said mm-hmm. you were just absolutely awesome. Um, Burbank Burrows exactly i know how much you know my dad really loves you and loves going to see you play and uh it it just it takes me back to that time when competitors were true competitors Uh, you know i didn't transfer over to the meetings play with you even though people asked me to people spoke to me about it um i did watch you from afar i was rooting for you from afar but i had my own situation that i was dominating and i had things i wanted to get done and uh, Mm -hmm. i know you uh, we saw each other at a USC, I think, junior day and what now. We spent some time together. and mm-hmm. You know, everything that I thought you were going to be, you were at the time. Again, senior you see your half you kind of got hurt right before that Long Beach Poly game. Um, and like you said, real life starts to kick in. You end up signing with USC uh, to play football, to play quarterback. Take
0: me through that process. Well, actually, man, it's a crazy story. So I got injured Against Antelope Valley. I broke my leg. Um, I had a. I, I tore all the ligaments in my ankle and I broke my fibula. Um, that next morning, um, Coach Robinson called me from the meeting room. Um, he had all the guys in there. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the SC guys at the time were local guys. Um, so we had everybody on speakerphone and everybody was just calling just to say, hey man, everything will be all right. You good? I'm just checking on you, making sure, you know. And that, he was the only coach who called me that day, and that made a huge impression on me. Um, I was already, you know, uh, I'm a L.A. guy through and through. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be at SC. And at that time, you know, we were talking about our recruiting class changing the way that people, you know, went through the recruiting process. We all wanted to stay home. We were all talking about how can we all stay home myself you jay sean justin fargus you know a lot of those yep. top guys we're all trying to say hey man let's stay home let's let's all go to sc let's let's change the game um uh, and so when coach rob called me that day i actually committed that day verbally committed on the phone because it it, it has such a big, big impression on me that at my worst time my darkest hour as an athlete up to that point he thought enough to call me and to say hey how you doing I'm just checking on you And he also told me I don't care if you can never play football again You'll have a scholarship at the University of Southern California And that made I an impact that. on my life And that and that sealed my friendship with Coach Robinson uh, To this day I mean Coach Robinson is 80's I just saw him last May uh, When I was in San Diego for Steve Clarkson's Dream Maker Camp I was able to spend an evening with him and his wife um, And he's still sharp You know he's still got his wit um, and he still cares about me as an individual, not as an athlete, but as a man. Um, and, and, and that was, is something that I will, I will always cherish. So as I signed with SC, um, I knew that I had a long road ahead of me. I knew I probably wasn't going to play any more high school football. I, I ended up coming back in the playoffs, and I, just, I wasn't myself. Uh, we ended up losing in the playoffs. Um, and then basketball season started. I tried to play early in the season. I played like two or three games, but I just wasn't right. Um, and so I ended up not playing the rest of the basketball season. So I go to, I'm going through the recruiting process still. I'm still taking my visit because I felt like that's something that I earned the right to be able to, be, to, be able to experience. So I, I, I had an official visit to Nebraska. I took that. Um, I had an official visit to Colorado. I took that visit. And then I also had, two visits uh, remaining, Florida State and Tennessee at the time. Um, I didn't take those visits um, just because I I was done. After I took my trip to Colorado and I took my trip to Nebraska, I knew that I was going to go to SC. And I actually, to be totally honest with you, I was scared to go to Tennessee or to Florida State and really fall in love with it because I wanted to be home so bad. I didn't want to have something pull me away. You know, I don't want I didn't want it to be so good that I end up leaving home, so I end up saying, Well, halfway through the recruiting process, Coach Rob gets fired. Him and Mike Garrett had this, you know, macho contest going on, and, and when you're the athletic director, you always got the final say. So he fired Coach Rob, Coach Rob goes away. They end up hiring Paul Hackett. Well, Paul Hackett didn't recruit me. Paul Hackett opened the recruiting process up, and he started recruiting Carson Palmer. Now, mind right. you, before before they hired Paul Hackett, Carson was going to be going to Colorado to play for Rick Neuheisel, who was a coach in right. Colorado. Um, and that, it all worked for everybody, right? Carson was going to, even though I wasn't scared to compete, I really at that point didn't care who went where. Uh, until Coach Rob got fired, then I felt like, oh, man, I'm not his guy. Went to SC my freshman year, and it was just a different world, man. College football is not high school football. They, you know, when they're recruiting you, you're the most important person in the world to them. You sign your name on the dotted line, and you step on campus, and you're just another guy. Um, and now yeah. certain coaches treat you a little bit different. You know, certain coaches are more players, coaches, but, but Coach Hackett was just coming from the NFL at that time. Um, so he was more used to saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're all coworkers. I come and do my job. You come and do your job. I go home, you go home. I really don't have, you know, and coach Rob was a lot different. Um, he was a lot more personal. He was more like, Hey, I'm gonna put my arm around you. Hey, what's going on? Harry? You know? And so I wasn't able to discern, you know, how to, to really look at those two, um, contrast and how to treat athletes. And I just was only focused on, the way Coach Rob treated me, because that was the way my high school coaches treated me, and that was the way I was used to being treated. And so I wasn't able right. to appreciate the way Coach Hackett was, and so I took it negatively. When it really, As a man now, I look back and say, well, it wasn't personal. That was just the way he was used to interacting with his athletes. Right. Um, and so that that set my course to me saying, well, you know what? I'm not one in here. I'm just another guy. And then on top of that, Carson – played, I th- our first game, I know we played against uh, Purdue in uh, the kickoff classic, and Drew Brees was, uh, I think he was a senior or sophomore, I'm uh, not, s- senior or junior, and Mike Van Raphorst was our starter, so Mike played, he started, and then they kind of brought John Fox in, in and out, and then they put Carson in, and when Carson stepped on the field, I mean, you know, he's from Orange County, Santa Margarita. You know, a lot of the student bases from that area. So when he stepped on the field, it was love. They loved him. They screamed his name. And I looked around. and I said, "Boom, that's different." You know, right? Well, he started playing, and it took over. And the rest is history. You know, Carson had a great career at SC. He was a he was a great player. But but more importantly, man, Carson is a is a great man. Like he has uh, great qualities as an individual. Um, he has a great moral character. Um, he was very supportive of me the whole time I was there. I mean. It was not like we were we were competitive, but he wished the best for me as I did for him. And after the end of the, our freshman year, I knew it was time for me to go. Um, and especially in spring ball, they had me catching punts. And I looked around. I was the only quarterback catching punts. I knew that it was my time. Yeah.
3: So you make the transition. You transfer to UNLV. Uh, you have to sit out of here. But once you get on the field... You're back, and as I was watching from afar, you're back to the old J. Tom. Uh, you're, right. back, you're running, you're throwing, you lead UNLV to their first bowl win in probably a hundred
0: years. Yep. Tell me about tell me us about that year, that big year you had at UNLV. Oh, it was great, man. I mean, I put, I put a lot of hard work in, you know, and uh, when you work hard. Um, if all if all the stars align, you reap the benefits of it tenfold. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in that off season, a lot of time working out, a lot of time running scout team. Um, and so when it was time for me to hit the field, man, I was chomping at the bit. And, and as a quarterback, one of the most important qualities you can have as a quarterback, um, besides accuracy and field awareness, is just confidence, just the belief yeah. that. I don't care what is going to happen. We gonna, we're going to get these three yards if it's third and three. Or we're yeah. going to get this, you know, two yards if it's fourth and two. And I, there was nothing in my mind that made me think that we couldn't accomplish whatever goal that was set in front of us. So I brought that, in to, uh, I brought that into our huddle. I brought that into our locker room. And everybody just bought in. Now, you got to remember, the year that I decided to transfer to UNLV, they were 0 and 11. Right, Coach Rob came, and I think they were like 2-10 and ten or 3-9 and nine or something like that. And so I come in. I'm super cocky. I'm confident. I'm like, man, I don't know nothing but championships. We about to, you know, and so everybody just kind of gravitated to me. Um, we had a great year. We ended up going to a bowl game. We play Arkansas in a bowl game. they this a big, bad SEC team. And we just pretty much just, I mean, we dominated them. You know, it started out yeah. kind of slow, but we beat them probably like 30, 31 14 or something like that. And, it, I mean, it was just a great experience. Las Vegas was on fire. Um, they loved us. They supported us. And it, it was just a great, amazing. It's nothing like being a man in Las Vegas, man. I mean, that's something that I will always cherish and always remember um, those experiences and those times.
3: Yeah, no, no question about it. I remember being in school and playing ball at the same time and watching that game against Arkansas. And- you were the Jay Tom of oh, old. I mean, you were running, you were throwing, you were leading, and, um, and for anybody that's ever willing to listen to me talk about the guys I used to play with or against, you're probably one of the first guys to come up. I always say Jason Thomas was Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow. And people don't understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he wasn't you weren't a Jesus freak in that way, but mm-hmm. your competitive fire was like
0: mm-hmm.
3: unmatched. Um, from the people that I knew and the guys that I went with. Your talent was big time, but you had an inner drive. You had a drive to not lose. And when we either played with each other or played against each other, it always stood out. I know I always tried to match it, and we fed off of that. We built winning teams, and your winning just continued. When you got to UNLV, I was so happy and excited for you and your family. I know Mel Kyper kind of predicts you to be a top you know, a first round draft pick in a year or so He makes goes out on a limb and makes that prediction
2: mm-hmm. and then Something
3: happens in the offseason that year Talk to us about that
0: Well, I mean, you know, you're at UNLV And, you know, the program doesn't have all the resources And you might not have all the, the, the walk-ons And all the scholarship guys That maybe another big-time program has And so we go through spring ball And we only have two quarterbacks Right, so right. you know, just to run a functional practice, you got to have at least four quarterbacks. You got a guy. You got to have guys doing scout team. You got to have guys throwing to their backs over here. You got to have guys throwing. And so we only had two quarterbacks, myself and the backup. And so I was throwing a lot. I mean, I was throwing a lot more than you should for a spring session. I um, mean, in that time, and, and, and also I'll take responsibility too because I did not value my body the way I should. I did not understand how close I was to making it to the NFL, and I didn't understand how to take care of myself. I didn't understand that you only have, you know, one shoulder, and if it gets, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I knew physically I only had one shoulder, but I I just didn't treat my body the way, the way you it should have. So I will I walk out on the field without warming up, I'll grab the football and I'll throw the football fifty yards. Like I'll just grab it and just throw it as far as I could. And I'll never forget uh, coach Ken Neomatololo, who's now the coach at, at Navy, he would look at me and be like, JT, you shouldn't do that. Like you need to you know you need to be careful. And it was almost like a couple of days after that I started experiencing a little uncomfortableness in my shoulder. Long story short, I ended up going to get an MRI. I found out I had a torn labrum in spring. Now, again, I'm I'm at UNLV. I'm not at Michigan. I'm not at, you know, a blue blood. So coming off of our bowl victory, you know, our first three games was on ESPN. I'm a preseason Heisman Dark Horse, and I wanted to play course. Which most athletes would want to play, right? So I get my shoulder surgery. I didn't get a, any kind of reconstruction. I just had them. They just shaved my labrum down. Um, but instead of them shutting me down, they let me play. So yeah. I came back, and when you play, you're either not smart enough to sit out or you are what we see. You know they don't give you the benefit of the doubt of oh you're hurt no you should not no be they playing, don't right right and so I was out there playing our first game we had college game day at our game uh, we played against Arkansas so it was kind of like a back to back a home and home back to back and so we go out there we're playing against Arkansas and I just couldn't I couldn't make the throws I couldn't make the throws that I knew I was capable of making um, because right. I just I was hurt um, and so I struggled that year. Uh, I just physically struggled throwing a ball. I, just, I couldn't throw a 10-yard out, and I was known for being able to throw a 15-yard out from the other hash. I couldn't throw right. a 10-yard out from the from the short side of the field, and so physically I wasn't capable. Well, that created something that I never had before, which was self-doubt. Yeah. Right? So as a quarterback I talked about earlier, the most important quality you can have is confidence. And so once, I, once that self-doubt crept in, and I physically wasn't able to perform, that's when, for me, I think that's when my career started to turn and not be as successful as it had been in the past is because I was, I was doubting myself. I had this injury and things weren't going well. And I know one of my, one of my coaches that I had after, after college, he was a quarterback coach. His name was Randy Whitson. He was actually, um, Randall Cunningham's quarterback coach at UNLV, um, and I credit him to helping me turn myself around psychologically. Is you know I was digging a hole, right? You know, just think, of, imagine just digging a hole, and you digging, you digging, and you digging, and everybody's looking down in the hole, and they trying to help you. They want to help you, but they don't have the tools to help you get out of the hole. I just sure. no one around me had the tools to help me get out of that hole, um, and so I just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper, and it just that's when things stopped working out for me
3: right and uh by all intents and purposes i mean you still are looked at and valued um by nfl franchises they talked about you switching positions they talked about Mm -hmm.
1: you
3: doing other things i
1: you know Mm -hmm. apparently
3: you weren't open to that is that is that true
0: that is true i was man i was just i was headstrong man the same thing that made me a great competitor was, you know, the same thing that make you laugh, make you cry, you know? My greatest strength was also my greatest weakness. Um, And so I wasn't able to see the big picture. I wasn't able to see that when you go to the NFL, your check don't say your positional. That's right. It just say National Football League. Um, And when you get your pension, it doesn't say, uh, you know, you got your pension as a tight end or a, you know, and so I wasn't able to see the future and see that hey, you know what? Is bigger than just a, a position so i was i was bullheaded um and i actually told um nfl teams that i won i'm not going to work out at any other position on uh, my pro day I, i'm not going to run routes i'm only going to throw um and so right. i missed out on some opportunities well you fast forward to the draft the draft goes by i don't get selected Right after the draft, that's when the free agency frenzy kind of starts. You know, people are calling your agent and trying to see, you know, what you're going to do, whatever. Well, who comes calling? Paul Hackett. It was like the full circle yeah, dream, nightmare scenario, right? So Paul Hackett called my agent. He said, hey, I want Jason to come. He was with the New York Jets at the time, um, and they, they wanted to sign me, so they signed me as a free agent at HBAC. They made it very clear to my agent I will not be throwing – I'm not going to be a quarterback. Don't think about it. This is his opportunity to make it to the league. Um, well, the head coach at the time was Herm Edwards. Now, just to, to go back a little bit, Herm Edwards coached my brother. He was my brother's position coach at San Jose State. You know, my siblings, you know, they all went D1 and played Division One. My sister ran track at Arizona. My brother played right. football at San Jose State. And Herm Edwards was his position coach. Um, and so going there, it was it felt right. It was like, okay, here's my opportunity. But, again, psychologically, it's a lot. It's a huge transition to ask a quarterback to switch from you playing quarterback for the last 10 years to you're going to now block linebackers in the NFL. Like, you're not going to start doing it in college and then learn your way. You're going to do it in the NFL. So, I'm going to play against Moat. At the highest, I'm lining up against Mo Lewis. Now, all the guys on the team, they know that I was a quarterback. They know that I was switching. They lo- I mean, they would love they loved it when I came out there because they was like, there's no way I'm going to let a quarterback block me. All the other linebackers would laugh if I ever did anything on them, if I beat them on the route because I was able physically to run. But it was the technique of blocking. Um, it was a lot that I wasn't prepared for. And just being in a huddle is just a different experience, man, when you're in a huddle and you're not in command. You're not barking out the play. You're not making the adjustments. You're sitting here receiving it, and it's just a whole different thing that I wasn't prepared for. And so I actually asked to be released because I wanted to go yeah. to Canada. I was like, hey, you know, I went in, I spoke to the Titan Bomb. Um, I spoke to uh, Coach Edwards and Coach Hackett, and I was like, man, I, I want you guys to release me because I want to be able to go to Canada and try to play mm-hmm. QB. Well, I got released, went to Canada. Oh, no, I got released, and I thought I had a deal, and it fell through. Right? So now in I'm Canada. stuck. I'm in Vegas. And the no, the Canadian deal, I didn't get signed. Yeah. I thought I was going to get signed by Calgary, and they backed out. They didn't sign me. Right? So now I'm stuck right. in Vegas. I'm not on the roster. Um, And then I get a call from Atlanta. Atlanta called me. Um, They said they wanted to sign me as an H-back again. I flew out there. I went through the OTAs, getting ready to go to camp. Last man signed, first first guy to be released. And that was the end of my NFL story. Um, And I never got another opportunity. But what I did do is after I did that, I kind of just said, you know what? I'm going to get an individual position coach and just work on my craft again and try to get it back. So I, I got with Coach Randy with it. I worked out, I, I kind of just focused on just being able to just throw the ball with confidence. Um, I start playing arena football, had a great year doing arena. Um, and then I ended up get, going to a trial at Cerritos for Calgary and I got signed, I signed a four year deal. So things were looking up for me. Um, and then I got a blood clot in my throwing arm, man. And then at, at that time, I think it was just God's way of saying, hey, you know what? This chapter of your life is closed. It um, yeah. was time to do something else, and, and and that was the end of my career. Well, you know, it, it,
3: Jay, is nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hold your head down about. I mean, you know, for all those who do you and who heard of you, it's just a ton of admiration and respect, and uh, your story is, is it's a it's a tremendous story um, from starting off kind of a little bit uncoordinated and kind of goofy as a big young kid. To have really a, uncoordinated. A, <laughs> yeah, to have tremendous success at AAU and then Pop water football, and then on to the high school, and, you know, a two-time player of the year and signing up with that and transferring out, you know, trying to shine the disposition in the NFL and signing a point to deal with Calgary. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a rise, a fall, it's a rise, and I think that's just how the way life goes for 99.9% of the people. But now you're mm-hmm. back on a high. You're living in Oklahoma City. Um, right. You're married You've got children, yes. and you've developed yes. a product that you want to share with our listeners. Why don't you talk to us about Resistance 360?
0: Man, Resistance 360 is a product that I developed along with Willie Hurst. He's uh, one of my best friends. I've known him since, man, six, probably was six years old I've known Willie. Um, and we developed this product probably over the last three years now, and it started with just a conversation. And all, we always talk about how the foundation of this product is our friendship, because our conversations um, just, as, as friends led to us saying, well, what about this? What about that? And we kind of just brainstormed, tinkered back and forth. And we came up with this product, um, which allows an athlete to do resistance training, multi-directional dynamic resistance training. Um, 300, you can make 360 degree movements with resistance. So, instead of just being able to run straight line with resistance, you can do functional movements that you will do on a court or field um, with resistance. And so, it'll allow an athlete to do their in-game movements with resistance, and it's a great product. It's a, it's a, a light product. It's not really bulky. You can put it around your waist, and you can get to work.
3: Yeah, so I've got a chance to see Resistance 360 in action. It's extremely dynamic. Uh, Again, every movement you could make in an athletic field of competition, you can make in this product, um, and the resistance that it creates develops a stronger, more explosive uh, athlete. And uh, Jay, it's a terrific product, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck and success with it. And uh, if there's anything I I can do or we can do here at Transcentry to help you continue to push that product out to the marketplace. Make sure you always reach out. But I appreciate you joining us. I appreciate you sharing the story, sharing your product. And uh, nothing but love and respect to you, my bro, from 30 years ago until now, all the way from, to Oklahoma City, from out here in Cerritos where I'm at, man. Nothing but a tip of the cap and much respect, my man.
0: Man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to, to not just tell my story, but to also promote my product, Resistance 360. If you If you're interested, you can go to our website. It's resistance360.net. Um, our Instagram page is resistance360. Facebook, resistance360. has a link to our website. You can see all of our videos. You can see how our product um, can be used. Um, we're a startup company. We're still developing, but we have a great product, and we look forward to getting it out to the kids, uh, 707 coaches, all that stuff, and, and hopefully giving them another tool for them to use in their toolbox of training. Resistance 360 from my man Willie
3: Hurst and my guy Jason Thomas. We appreciate you joining us. Take care. Have a blessed one, my friend.
0: Much love, my brother. I appreciate you.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Thomas, former five-star quarterback, five-star friend of mine, and just an all-around tremendous athlete, two-sport All-American, now uh, pushing his product and selling Resistance 360 for the development of athletes across
2: the nation man we appreciate jason for coming on uh what a terrific man he's become a family man now wife kids terrific product resistance 360 make sure you get a chance check out the website youtube it or go on to instagram but you know what you think of the interview gb yeah
1: i'm just a good dude and you can just hear him he's really intelligent, well-spoken. And I remember, you know, back in my student sports days having, you know, the crew, him and Kenny Bruner, Tayshaun Prince on the cover of Student Sports Magazine. And it was just kind of funny talking to him off, off the air. He kind of mentioned, man, that was such a big deal for him. It was like Sports Illustrated back in the day was, was what the old Student Sports Magazine was about. But, you know, Keith, one, one thing that you and I have talked about so much on this show has always been that one word, the C word, confidence. And he, he said it. He said, you know what, once that started to go, and he kind of lost it a little bit that last year at UNLV. Things just kind of went down for him. And then, they, you know, with the injuries and, you know, the pro career and bouncing around a little bit. But my, I've always been fascinated by, you know, the whole psychology of sport. And just hearing JT talk about just, like I said, the, the confidence and just some of the things he battled. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm always, I'll always wonder, you know, what if. You know, he mentioned that tight end trying to move to another position in the pros. I always say, you know, what if at USC when he was just a freshman, if he tried to move to tight end, outside linebacker, or even safety because he could run, what if he went and played you know, one of those positions? Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still playing in the NFL today, or at least had a 10-year NFL career because he was a freak athletically, 6'4", 2'10", with a, a man-child body, as an eighth grader, like you mentioned before. Uh, obviously, quarterback was his dream. And, uh, you know, he lived it out. But just it would have been fun to see what if, you know, outside linebacker off the edge, JT coming downhill. Man, he was just special.
2: Yeah, I mean, Greg, I can attest. And you say 210. He was 210 in the seventh grade. I mean, Jason was all of 230 by the time he was a kind of a senior year of high school. And uh, if he would have played an outside linebacker, there's no question about it. He would have been an impact guy on every level. He was big. He was fast. He was physical. You talk about confidence. There was no other person I ever competed with or against who had the confidence of Jason Thomas. He knew he could dominate you, and he would impose his will, and he would absolutely intimidate other people. Um, On the basketball court, on the football field, he was an absolute menace, and he was a problem for everybody that was not on his team. And uh, I enjoyed competing against him. Love competing on the same team, and uh, I'm so glad that he's doing really well now in Oklahoma City, and he's got his product, and we, we wish him nothing but the best, right, GB?
1: Absolutely, and you, you kind of mentioned, you know, everyone, he had the aura about him, and again, I started off covering basketball, so I remember going to the pump tournaments over at Dominguez Hills, and he was just a freshman, sophomore, walking into the gym, and he was, he was easily to see, he was the leader already, even though he was just a freshman, sophomore, You just watching him play at Dominguez Hills, uh, me, not Dominguez Hills, at Dominguez, and still, just a young guy, but just going through the, you know, the layup lines, and just throwing these ridiculous dunks down, I mean, he had people on 10 days before the a tip-off even-handed. Uh, he even whistled out. So, I mean, Jason was awesome. And, uh, yeah, man, it's good to see he's doing well and that you guys are still buds and, and all that. And I can't hope, hopefully... uh. Hopefully, I continue to go
2: well for him. Yeah, there's no question about it. Intimidating people, <laughs> that was A1 on his list. But, again, a, a great athlete, a great friend, a great competitor, and uh, we really appreciate him coming on the show. Again, Resistance 360, get a chance, hit the website, go check it out on Instagram. It's a dynamic product. He and our, and our good friend, mutual friend Willie Hurst, who was a former uh, Rose Bowl winner at the University of Washington, was also a Dominguez High School running back. They've put the product together, and uh, I think he's going to do a, a really great job. Like you said, he used it at the Steve Clarkson Dreammaker Camp last year. I know he got rave reviews from the quarterbacks there. So uh, again. We appreciate him coming on Five Star Friday. Never lets us down. Unbelievable interviews with tremendous guests, with super stories, um, the rise, the fall, and the rise again of Jason Thomas, the former five-star athlete, basketball, football, and a child prodigy, if I must say so myself, GB. But without further ado, we got to bring this baby to a close. We appreciate you joining us here on Friday's Five Star Friday. Follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are out there. You can now find us on YouTube, the Transparent Truth Podcast on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe and never miss a show, whether iTunes, whatever the case may be, Apple. You don't have to miss the show now. YouTube, Transparent Truth Podcast. It's there. Lock in, load up. From my partner,
3: Greg Bailey, this is Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.